command ourselves that we're seated in heavenly places, we cooperate. When the Lord reveals things to us, we, for us to pray for, we can pray them into being. So we're not, you know, bottom, you know, from the bottom, we pray from the top. So we can really be encouraged because, you know, with Jesus by our side, we can be encouraged and say, I want you to pray for this. Yeah. I've got a plan for that nation. I've got a plan for this church. I've got a plan for this people. So let us be encouraged right. that we reign with him in, the right, in, in heavenly places and we cooperate with him as we reveal his plans. We can just pray them into being and that, and that we will see them happen in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen, amen, amen. So, Father, I give you this time, and I just thank you, Father, how you are preparing our hearts, how you are preparing us for such a time as this. And I thank you, Father, that we don't have a gospel that is empty, but we have a gospel that's full. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're at the forefront of everything that we do, everything that we say. So, Jesus, come and give us a a mind to understand eyes to see, ears to hear, and Lord, a heart to love you more. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Am I on? Am I, if I just, if I just carry on talking, can everyone, is it being recorded? Right, brilliant. Okay, I'm on. Fantastic. Right. What you are going to hear has taken me two days to put together. This one talk two 10-hour days um, because it's heavy. I'm gonna, it's full of meat. It's full of, of Jesus and his plan and it's going to be hard. But I don't want anybody to go into fear because at the, you know, I'm going to bring this in because we're hidden in Christ. We're, if, we, if we make our place in Christ, we have no fear. No fear. If we have died to our flesh, We've got no fear. So I don't want anybody to leave here in fear because God has got a great plan and he's got a great purpose and he is going to have a body of people that he has prepared beforehand to go through this. And we're going to see that in chapter 7 and chapter 14, that God has two separate bodies of people that he has prepared for such a time as this. Now we know that, and I didn't put this together through some sort of accident that we came across the teachings of, of um, what we brought in the last couple of weeks, about the 23rd of December, right the way to the 23rd of, of September, and nine months where God is birthing something. He is birthing a body of people. He is birthing a body of people for Israel. He is birthing a body of people for this time, in this land. And that's us. Because, you know, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? If not here, then where? It's simple, isn't it? Because, you know, now's the time when we've got to walk the walk because we're talking the talk. We've got to walk it. We've got to walk this out. But this is what it's about. It's about the lion and the lamb. You're going to hear Jesus being portrayed as the lamb. We've gone through that he was the slain lamb. You know, who's worthy to open up the seals in Revelation You know, who is worthy? It's the Lamb that's worthy. It's Jesus that's worthy. He is the only person that can break these seals. And we're about to see some seals being broken um, in chapter 6. Now, I can understand why most of the church don't touch Revelation. I can understand that because it's tough. When you see these seven seals here, 
with the white horse, then we have the black horse, then we, sorry, the red horse, the black, and then we have the pale horse, the green horse. And then we have the other uh, three seals being broken, the great tribulation, the martyrdom, then we've got the heavenly signs, and then we've got the, the last seal being broken here. But there's a silence in heaven. I'm going to speak a little bit about this. I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to, to, to mull over and to, to, to think about. But, do you know, it is going to get worse. Isaiah 60 says that deep darkness covers the earth and deeper darkness the people. It is going to get dark. And uh, yet God is going to have a body of people with so much light on them that we're going to be full of heaven. Full of heaven. I listened to, I, I mean, you'll, you'll remember him because you're an Arsenal supporter, never mind, we'll pray for you. I heard um, the famous goalkeeper, Arsenal goalkeeper, Pat Wilson. Is that Pat Wilson? Bob Wilson, Bob Wilson. I heard him today on Radio 4. Um, I got up, I was out work, walking early, the dog, and was just listening to the radio as I was going off, and I heard him giving an appeal called the Willow Appeal of um, trying to give time to, to people who have found that they've got cancer. And I heard t- two horrendous stories. One was his daughter, 30 years old, taken from a family, you know, her own little young family, husband, taken away through cancer. She started this uh, fund because she wanted people that were going through that to have time to make special with their family and to give them that time. And then I heard that there was a young man at 26 years old who had a three-year-old boy and a young wife who was given, after streams of, of uh, radiotherapy and chemo and all the rest, he was making time because he was dying. Now, that's wrong. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says, that is wrong. You know, and, and don't let me hear anybody say that healing is from, uh, that, that sickness is from God. It's impossible for God to give sickness. Impossible, because God is love. And if we've got such a loving God, how can he give us sickness, disease, and death? No, we've got a loving Father, but he wants his children, because Jesus, Christ in us, the hope of glory. For a people out there that need healing, they need delivering, they need to hear the gospel, the reason why they've been saved. They need to hear this. But we also, because this is coming, we're going to see a huge revival. But it's not a revival that we've seen before. It's never been to happen. Because it's going to be dictated out of love. It's going to be coming out of not a ministry, but out of love. When you look at Matthew 25, when it speaks about the goats and the sheep, where the goats are separated to the right hand of the Father, or Jesus, and the left are separated with the goats, he says to the, the ones on his right, He says, because you did this to a stranger, you did it for me. Because you went to the prisons and you you brought the gospel and you took that in, you did it for me. Because he and what's he saying? He's not he's not saying because you've made a ministry out of this that you're gonna be No. He's saying because you were compelled out of love for the lost. You did it for me. Because you were compelled to give water to somebody who was thirty out of love, not out of ministry. Do you follow me? There is a complete difference. When you are compelled by love, there's a separation. And there's a separation happening as we sit here. There is a separation of the true church that will be persecuted, that will be hard-pressed, that will be all these things. But when we're hidden in him, 
Wow. Nothing can touch us. Death has lost its sting. And God is preparing us for such a time as this. So when we see these seals being broken, I I'm going to come to this because, you know, I haven't got all the answers. I'm studying this and I'm going, oh Lord, I need you in this. But not one man has got the answer. Not one man. I haven't got all the answers. Don't look to me. Look to the Holy Spirit to help you. Look, look to God, because to, he, he is our perfecter. He is our instigator. He is the one that will give us all knowledge. He is the one that will give us all power. He will give us everything that we need if we're compelled out of love. It's incredible. But you're going to see a body of people, when this darkness comes on us, not on us, but around us, on our streets, you know, and there's going to be a body of people that are going to be so vicious. You know, you just have to... Well, I, Anyway, it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's what I'm trying to say. It's going to get a lot worse, but it's going to be good for us because we're going to be light. If we get this message of becoming love, if we get this message, it's not about ministry. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And I'm telling you, this is the difference. It is not about, I don't want to do anything out of ministry. I want to be compelled by love. Compelled out of love. I'm not, I, don't go, I don't get up at five o'clock in the morning to go down to London just because it's a ministry. I go out there to awake a body of people so that what God has for them and in them. He's already done it. He's already paid the price. So, for, you know, so I'm, I'm quite passionate about this. I, you know, and, 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 and just, has it been easy? <laughs> nope. Nope. It hasn't been easy. I'm having to die to myself. And I walked out yesterday and I'm saying, God, I'm so rotten. I'm so horrible. I'm so not this and I'm so not that. I, and, I just, and I just started having a little, you know, I called myself having a little bit of a pity party. I thought, no, Jesus, you haven't made me for this. You've made me for, for being great because you're in me. You, you, you are in me. And I might get this wrong, but you know what? Tomorrow I can put it right. I don't have to wait to you know, look back tomorrow and think about what I did today. I can be different. But here we have a, a breaking of the seals. Now, what I try and do is this. I, I try and unpack it myself. I just go to the Holy Spirit and I say, Holy Spirit, just give me light on this word. So I write down everything that comes into my mind about what I'm reading in Revelation. And I just try and unpack it a little bit. What are you saying there? So I go down that little road. What are you saying here? And I go down that little road. And then I, after I finish, I listen to what others are saying. Just, I just put it on the computer. What are others saying? And I'm amazed. <laughs> I'm amazed what's out there. Totally and utterly amazed. I mean... Uh, I'm going, wow, how can somebody see that in what I've just seen? It's just it's saying the, the opposite. And, and what really scares me is, you know, don't you hear my heart in this? I, you know, in, in some way I prayed yesterday, Lord, just, just let me be wrong. Let me be wrong in this. I hope I'm wrong in this. I hope that we all get raptured out. I hope that we're taken out before it all gets really bad. Lord, you know, that, you know whatever you want to do, Lord, I'm happy with that. But if I've got this wrong then Lord, just rip it out of me. Take it out of me. I don't want it. You know, but, but I believe, I believe we're going through it. I believe as these seals are broken, we're going to be seeing it. I totally believe that. 
And yet, you know, I hear this rapture mentality that is so prevalent in the church. It's not just given birth, they're running around taking over. You know, and a whole body of people are going to be completely and utterly giving up their faith because they're saying, I've got my bag packed. <laughs> I thought we were going to be up in heaven when all this starts breaking out. What's happening? Why is that happening to me? Why are they hammering my door down? We're going to be out of this. Why are they chopping my head off? They're not prepared. They haven't listened. You know, and, and so I'm going to unpack this. And I'm going to try and do it, you know, but I've got a lot of information. So we see the seal's been broken. I don't believe the seals have been broken. I've been talking to Andy about this, and I've got to make my mind up. I do not believe that the seals have been broken. I don't believe that we've seen one seal broken. Yes, we've had tribulation. Yes, we've had wars and rumours of wars, you know, right the way through the ages. But nothing like now. Nothing like now, where it can go nuclear like that. Yeah, I, I'm, so I don't believe one of these seals has been broken. And by the way, I'm just going to say this out before I go down any avenue, you know, that I believe that these four horses aren't from God. They're not, they're, they're not, I've heard people say that the white horses is evangelism going to go right across the world. Going to, you know, and I've heard that it's God riding on that. It's, you know, no, it's not. It's a deceiver. The word, the scriptures are really clear. So if you'd like to turn with me to, to Revelation 6, that's where we're going to pick it up. We're a quarter of the way through the book of Revelation. And you will have more understanding, hopefully, than the majority of churches um, and where they're going to go. So we see the six, six seals, the conqueror on the white horse. And then we see the red horse where that brings conflict on the earth and war. And then we see the, the famine and the scarcity that's going to be widespread across the earth. And then we're going to see the green horse going forth, which is sickness and pestilence and disease spread right the way through. Then we see the cry of the martyrs that are underneath an altar crying out, when is our blood going to be avenged? And then we see huge co cosmic disturbances in the skies. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And then it goes quiet. It goes really quiet. It goes quiet, and the Bible says for half an hour. It goes quiet. Because in everything there is 21 judgments that have been poured out. 21. We've got seven here with the seven seals. Because in between there is a gap, and I'll explain this later, because I'm going to go into a teaching mode. There's a gap between the, the, the breaking of the sixth seal to the breaking of the seventh seal. There's a gap. And I'll explain why there's a gap. But on the breaking of the seventh seal, there's also the sounding of the seven trumpets. So these are the next seven things that are broken. So we see green grass, a third of the trees being burnt up. Then we got here, a third of the sea, the second trumpet becomes blood and the third of the ships get destroyed. Then the third trumpet, a third of the water turns bitter. Then we see the sun and the moon, the stars stop shining. What's that about? Could be nuclear. Could be a nuclear blast that stops the, the sunshine. We don't know. Locusts, we're a beast of, with huge military power. Being, I mean, some people have said the locusts could be helicopters. And, you know, because you know, they, they saw wings, like making thunder coming out of them with a tail that looked like a lion and a head that looks like a lion. It's describing a helicopter, military helicopter. You have a look at it, you know, and, and then we've got two million men, a two million man army, and a third of mankind is killed. 
but I'll, get, I'll explain a little bit about that. Then again here, on the sixth trumpet, it goes quiet. And there's a gap. And when the seventh trumpet sounds, we see the seven bowls being poured out. These are the, the wrath of God being poured out. Now folks, this is what I believe. Before we see the seventh trumpet being blown that introduces the wrath of God, I believe that we're out of it. I don't believe that we go through the wrath of God. How can he pour wrath on people that he loves and that love him? So I don't believe that we go through. I believe that we are taken out here because these are being poured on an antichrist system where people have chosen to take the mark of the beast and to worship him. This is going to be poured out on a group of people, utterly. But here we get here, on the sixth bowl, there is going to be a break. There's a break. And then on the seventh bowl, oh my word, the earth is going to be transformed. Transformed. There is going to be 60, 40 to 60 pounds hailstones being thrown on the earth. That is going to level every building. It's going to level it all. But somehow, there is going to be a remnant of people that survive this. There's going to be a remnant of people that survive. They don't love Jesus. They don't know Jesus. But there's going to be a remnant of people <laughs> that he has chosen and marked, that have taken the mark of God, that we see in Revelation 14, that have learned a new song. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes. You know, and they, they, they will lead, and they will come down with Jesus because there's a wedding feast already happened. And they start putting the earth right. But you know what the, um, the Jewish custom is for, um, what's the word, um, for, for rebellion? Do you know what the, the custom was? If you rebelled, uh, and especially against God, you were stoned. So isn't it just like when the earth has rebelled against the things of God, that God uses stoning as a last act of that rebellion? It's interesting that, isn't it? But you're going to find some interesting things happening here because this is where I am. I am a pre-wrath rapturist. I believe that, that we go right the way through the seven year, three and a half years. We go right the way through here just to about uh, here. Just before the Lord's coming. Just before the bowls are being poured out. Because, and I believe that this, just before Jesus comes back, we're taken out in the last three and a half years, not mid-trib, here. Because there's no great tribulation broken out here. I don't believe. I believe it really comes in the last three and a half years. But we'll see a breaking of seals here, the first three and a half years. So, there are 21 judgments, and we've just gone through each and every one of them. And they seem to sort of like overlap each other. Uh, there's the the judgments, the seals, and then the, the trumpets, and then the bowls. And they seem to always overlap each other on the 6th and the 7th. There's an overlap. <sighs> the wrath of God begins with the breaking of the seven seals. See, we're going to go into <clears throat> a huge wrath. But it's because a body of people have gone against God. They've chosen, they're going to follow a system and a man instead of following Jesus. Yeah, we're given that choice.
But we have chosen today, you know, in this place today, we're following Jesus. You know, I don't care. And, you know, let's, let's, let's be nice to each other. Let's love one another. Let's, you know, put down our differences. Put down our, you know, whole... No, no, they don't believe in what I believe, so I'm not going to have anything to do with them. No, we've got to embrace change and, and differences of opinions and, and love. But, you know, let's, let's choose. Can I ask you to do something for me? Let's choose to think good about people. Instead of looking for the worst... Let's choose to think good about everybody. Don't just assume that somebody has got this motive and that motive and it's all bad. Assume the best in them until proven wrong. It's simple, isn't it? Then you don't go into judgment, you don't go into bitterness, you don't go into, you know, whatever. But, you see, there is a plan coming afoot. And this is the... We're seeing more Jewish people going back to Israel than ever before. Right the way through the world. Because just like the Armenians before the Armenian uh, massacre and genocide that happened in Turkey, you know, there is a spirit going out calling a body of people back in. In the same way, there's a spirit being called on your lives to bring you in for such a time as this. Because he has saved his best wine to last. And that's you and me. Because if Jesus is in me, then I can bring a little bit of heaven down. Because he's here. And I don't want to be compelled out of ministry. I don't want to be compelled to look good. I want to compel because I see somebody sick and it hurts me because it hurts Jesus and Jesus is so full of love that he just wants to touch these people and to say, hey, it's Jesus that's touched your body because he loves you. Isn't that incredible? Incredible. But here's something that's going to be really hard for people to understand, understand that it's never God's purpose. This was never God's purpose. But he wants to restore in us what Adam gave away. Yes, that's what he wants to restore. That's why he came back and brought us out of all the, the sin and everything and broke us and cleaned us and washed us and made us that new creation to put a new Adam in us. Who's the new Adam? Jesus. Jesus in us, the hope of glory. But as Hitler killed one third of Jewish people in the world, six million you know, the Antichrist is going to kill two-thirds of Jewish people. And if you want the uh, verse for that, it's Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9. It says, And then it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. And I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that absolutely incredible? So folks, my thing is, are we ready for this? Are, are we re really ready for this? Are we ready to have act attics and have the next uh, Anne Franks and Corrie Ten Boons and, and all of these great people? You know, we've got to be ready for this um, because it's coming. And then we, we know that in Matthew 24, it says, For then there'll be a great tribulation. Such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. There's a great tribulation coming. We can't escape that, but we can walk through it with God on us and in us and light shining around us to be light when this great tribulation comes on. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. God will shorten these days because of you and me. We're the elect. 
We're recognizing the times and the seasons that we're living in. We're not making it a doctrine of the church. We're just recognizing it. We, and, and also, when this starts happening, we'll be able to see it. We'll still, we, so we won't be deceived. Because a lot of people are saying, well, we're going to be taken out of it. When it doesn't happen, they're going to, go, they're going to fall. They're going to fall away. We're going to see the majority of people sat in churches falling away. But it can't happen to us. Because we know. We're prepared. If we're forearmed, forewarned, we're forearmed. We can get through it. Because he's in us. Jeremiah 30 says... Uh, oh, alas, for that great day, so that none is like it, it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. There's a body of people that will walk through this and not taste death. The Bible's very clear about that. We'll, we'll come across that later on in, in the book of Revelation. There's a body of people that will walk through the great tribulation and not be touched, not be touched by it. The purpose of the tribulation is to drive people back to Jesus. That's the purpose. Simple. It's to drive people back to Jesus. But if we have Jesus in us now, we've got nothing to fear. I mean, I went out, I'll be honest, I went out today and I, you know, after reading this and doing the research, and I'm saying, God, you know, I don't want to go in fear. I don't want to break out in fear because, Lord, you are my light and my salvation. Who should I fear? Lord, you are, you are the stronghold of this life. Of whom should I be afraid? When evil men advance against me, they shall stumble and fall. And even though an army lays siege against me, I will not fear. Because I'm starting to put that in me. You know, Psalm 27, you've got to start hiding yourself in this. Because Lord, you are my stronghold. You are my fortress. You are my rock. You are everything to me. And if I'm in you, then nothing can happen. doesn't matter whether they take my life. I'm in you. Listen, Peter was in the upper room. And with all the disciples, where they were in fear, they were trembling, they were wondering on earth what has happened, they don't understand anything, they were hiding, and then woof, a wind of the Holy Spirit hits them, and they become raging evangelists, even unto death. They went to the cross, that's mine, (laughs) I'm going, because God will give us everything that we need to get through it. Do you understand that? Everything. A knife may touch your throat, but you'll be zapped out. You won't feel a thing. It'll just be your body there. Isn't that incredible? But, we, you know, we're going to have to teach people this. But there's a, there's a higher way. There's a higher way. It's to become love. This is what God is birthing in us. It's to become love. Because when we become love, we're dead to our flesh. Dead to our flesh. So, ah, oh, yeah. So we're going to have a look at the white horse, the first seal, the conqueror. Now, chapter 6, verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, like a voice, like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was, listen, a crown was given to him crown was given him and he went out conquering and to conquer (coughs) so something is given to this person now look at me can I just tell you it's not a person the people sat on on horses it's not a person it is not the antichrist it's uh, situations and things that are going to come and things are going to happen it is not a person and it's and it's, it's quite symbolic. But what does the horses mean? 
What do horses mean? Why are they on a white horse? Have you ever thought about that? Again, it, they're not going to come on a horse. But what does a horse represent? Power. Swift. Fast. It was the fastest thing in John's time, was a horse. So what's that telling us? This is going to come really quick. It's going to come really, really quick. And there's going to be power and strength in this, like we've never seen before. Right? So it's going to come, it's going to come really, really fast really quick and I believe this will come this will be the start of the last three and a half of the, the first three and a half years of the last seven years we'll start we'll start this is going where the first seal will be broken and and they, they're going to come and then we're going to see these 21 things happening incredibly quickly <coughs> incredibly quickly because we've just read in the scripture that these days are kept short for our sake so it's not going to be a prolonged of 20 years. It's going to be just in a very simple space of time that these things will be, be poured out. You know, and this is an imposter. This is, this person sat on, on, the, on the horse. It's events. It's not a person. Because um, <clears throat> Jesus shows up on what? In chapter 19 of Revelation, a white horse. And you know it's Jesus. That is not symbolic. That is literal. That's literal. So we've got to understand what is symbolic in the book of Revelation and what is literal. We've got to understand that. So the crown is the victor's crown, but it's not a ruling crown in the original Greek. When you look at, I looked at that word in, in the Greek, it's a ruling crown. It's not, it's not, um, it's like somebody has deserved this. Andrew's run a really good race. I give him a crown. That's a victor's crown. It's not a ruling crown. It's not there to, to rule. So it can't be Jesus. Can you understand? Je Jesus has got the ruling crown. He is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He rules. He, he governs. So it's not a ruling crown. It cannot be Jesus. It, do you understand that? It's a victor's crown. It's somebody who has deserved this. It's somebody, you know. And horses always represent judgments. 2 Kings 6, verse 15. Jeremiah 46, verse 9. Joel 2, Zechariah 1, uh, verse 8. And, and 6, and verse 1 to 7. And bow means a weapon. When you look at bow, it means a weapon and a rainbow. So what does a rainbow represent? When you see a bow in the, in, the, in, the old, in the Old Testament, it always represents promises. It's covenant, but it's also what? I just read it to you. It's a weapon. These things, but what is the covenant being made? It's not a covenant between us and God. It's a covenant between us and, the, and well, not us, but a people and an antichrist system. So there's going to be covenants made. There's going to be covenants confirmed with this, with this Antichrist system and with this Antichrist man. But it's a weapon of war. It's war. <clears throat> Daniel also speaks, in Daniel 8 speaks about this world leader. And listen to this. He says this in Daniel 8 verse 25. And through his policy, also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hands. He shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many. And he shall stand up against the princes of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. 
So here we have a guy who has got, he is, he is going to be the answer to everything. And I'm going to show you that. He is the answer to everybody's problems. But he will come along and he will make peace and he will say, peace, 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 peace. And when everybody's in peace, he destroys it. He breaks it. He breaks it. Because, I mean, it's incredible. And in Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief of the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as the labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day does not overtake you as a thief. You are sons of light and the sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So here's what's going to happen. In the first three and a half years, when these seals are broken, and it's not the Antichrist, this is what will happen. When these seals start coming on the world and we see war and we see devastation, we see illness and we see all of this famine going around, he comes along and he puts it all right. He puts, he makes, he, he broke his peace between people. He broke his peace between nations. He puts, when there's famine, he will put food into it. When there's destroyed water and contaminated water, he puts, he fills people's bellies with water and what they need. He will be a prince of all political power. And he will broker politically peace, 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 and peace. Even to the point where the Jews believe he's the Messiah. That's incredible. But you know what? Some of the church will... I mean, I'm amazed. I'm going to be very careful because I don't want to get into judgment, but I'm amazed at how liberal the church has got. We're so wishy-washy, it's frightening. Frightening. And many of those people are going to be deceived by this man. Many are going to be deceived. They're going to say, he, he is the real act. He's the real, he will do amazing things. He will be the man of all seasons. He will be whatever you want it to be, he'll be. Because he is going to be an author. He'll be able to speak to speak. He'll talk to talk. But then in the last three and a half years, the political side goes out and the military side comes in. And that's the two phases of this man. He will go to war, 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 war. But he broke his peace before that. Daniel 9, verse 27. Then he shall confirm a covenant. Here's the rainbow. He confirms a covenant with many for one week. What's the one week? Seven days. Seven days, seven years. So for one week, he comes on the scene, he confirms a covenant. So there's been peace already made, he just confirms it. He puts his stamp of approval on that. Yep, I'm having that. But in the middle of the week, three and a half days, three and a half years, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So it's Daniel. Daniel's telling us when you see these things happen, it's the abomination that causes desolation that we see. And that's why Daniel goes into it in so much detail in chapters 10 and 11. He says, when you see this Antichrist that is like Antiochus Epiphanes, right, when you see these things happening, 
That's, he's going to get up in the, in the temple that's going to be built. He's going to cause a sacrifice of a pig and he's going to sprinkle that soup all around the Holy of Holies. Just like Antiochus Epiphanes. And he breaks that covenant with Israel. Breaks it. Why am I telling you this? So you're forewarned. If you're forewarned, you're forearmed. When you see these things happening, flee to the mountains. That's what the Bible says in Revelation. It says when you see these things happening, flee to places like Petra where I will have places prepared for you of protection. It's incredible. The Antichrist has given 13 names in the New Testament. He's given the name of the beast, the false prophet, Antichrist, the lawless one, the man of sin, the one who comes in his own name, the son of perdition. But, you know, and it goes on and on and on. So, you know, he's, he's got many names. He's got very, but it's his characteristics that we've got to look for. His characteristics are incredible. He is going to be an intellectual genius. Daniel tells us that. So does Ezekiel. Daniel 7, verse 20. Daniel 8, verse 23. Ezekiel 28, verse 3. He's going to be so persuasive. He's going to be like Hitler that will be able to stand on a platform and he's going to mesmerize a whole group of people. Absolutely. He's going to say everything that everybody wants to hear. He's going to put pride back into people. He's going to give them a hope. He's going to give them futures. Oh, yes, he is. And how do we know? Daniel 7, verse 20. Revelation 13, 2. He's going to be a shrewd politician. Credible. He's going to be really the top of the game. We've not seen anything like it. Daniel 11, verse 8 to 25. He's going to be a financial genius. Incredible. He's going to make all the finances of the world that it's going to be a one-world system, a one-world monetary system. It's not going to come in now. He will make it because it's going to be needed. There's going to be financial collapse. There's going to be financial ruin. But he's going to be a financial genius. He'll put it all right. He's going to be an incredible military leader. Incredible military leader. A powerful organiser. But he's also going to be a religious guru. He's going to be able to tell the Buddhists what they want to hear. He's going to be able to tell the Islamists what they want to hear. He's going to be able to tell the Christians what they want to hear. He's going to be able to go through all the religion and tell them exactly and then point to himself in every religion. See, it's talking about me. It's talking about me. Talking about me. Talking about me. It's all about me. Because that's what he's going to be. So don't be deceived. Do you follow me? I'm giving you this so that when it starts happening, and it's going to start happening... I believe we're going to. Start <laughs> I believe we're going to start seeing this next year. We're going to start seeing this next year. I totally believe that we're going to see war break out. Did you know there's an alliance going on between Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and United Arab Emirates with Israel against who? Iran. They take. They're saying to the Israelis, these three. You know, Muslim countries, Saudi Arabia, you know, Egypt and the uh, United Arab Emirates. Come on, guys. Go and bomb the out of them. We, we will hang back. We won't do anything. We'll call, you know, go and do it, Israel. Go and, go and take, wipe out this nuclear. But look what Trump's got and said. You launch one missile on Israel, you've launched it on America. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's, there's an answer. There is an answer. God has his men. Whether they, they know Jesus or not, he will still have his... his Darius's and his you know, Cyrus's and, and his Nebuchadnezzar's squared away. This is why we need to be praying for our nation. 
We need to be praying for our government. We need to, men and women, like I love it, knowing that Ginny's going down with the group to intercede and to pray over for 24 hours. But we can pray here. Yeah, unless you're compelled to go with Ginny, then go. But, you know, we're comp- you know, we've got to be praying. We've got to be praying for this. But there's only one physical description of the, of the Antichrist in the Bible. There are, we can see there's descriptions of his character, but there's only one physical description. Do you know where it is? Zechariah 11:17. If you don't know Zechariah, can I suggest read it? It's an end-time book. Zechariah 11, verse 17. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves his flock. Jesus is our shepherd, and he will go for the lost. This guy won't give a hoot for the sheep. A sword shall be against his arm and against his right eye. Isn't that? There's a mark, isn't there? There's a mark on the Antichrist. He will be wounded in the head. So now you can see why there's going to be a mark on the forehead and his arm and, you know, our forehand, our hands. Because he's got a mark. Have you ever seen that? I was amazed when I read this. His arm shall be completely withered and his right eye shall be totally blind. Incredible. Could this be the mention of the head wound that we look at? Right. So here we have, this is just the wrath of God begins with the breaking of the seven seals. There's the seven seals, four horsemen going forth, then the avenging. The second seal, it's basically, the second seal is war. Then I opened up the second seal and I heard, then I heard um, the second living creature saying, come and see, another horse, fiery red, went out and it was granted to the one that sat on to take place, peace from the earth and that people shall kill one another and there was given to him a great sword. Listen, this isn't the person, this is circumstances. This is circumstances. There is war. Be prepared. Start just putting things in your cupboards for a little rainy day, but there is going to be shortage. There is war coming. There is war, and it's going to be a great war, and it's not going to be the Antichrist that starts it. It's going to be people that start it. So it's a series of events. So it's war. Straightforward. Then we have the black horse. This is famine. The black horse in Revelation 6 verse 5. Then we opened the third seal. I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarters of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. That's interesting. See, black in the Bible is say in Lamentations and, and, and Jeremiah 14, black in the Bible represents famine. It's, it's totally about famine. And did you know that most of the world already is in famine? The National, National Geographic have already stated that there are 7 billion people on the earth and there's not enough food to feed them. Most of the earth are, are in famine. We're not <laughs> in the West. We, we, we chuck out more than we eat. Look at the waste, you know, on a Friday night behind, you know, Asda or Tesco's or Sainsbury's, we chuck out more food. It is, it's wrong. <laughs> it's totally wrong. You know, and, 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 you know, gluttony in the Bible is mentioned more times than drunkenness. 
We've got, we've got, we're, we're, we're f- we, we, we don't go hungry, do we? We don't go hungry, but you, you know, there's, there's, you go to places in India or Africa, the children are picking from rubbish dumps. Why? Because their parents did it. They, and the parents of those parents, the grandparents, also lived off those rubbish dumps. It's going on from generation to generation to generation. There is famine in Sudan like there's never before. There's famine in Yemen like never before. There's famine in Ethiopia like never before. The, uh, this famine is, is widespread. It's all over the place. And this is what I found interesting. A quart of wheat for a denarius. A soldier would get paid a denarius a day. It's basically the price of a loaf of bread. This is why I, I read that version. In other versions, it doesn't say denarius. But in that one, it means it's a day's work will get you a loaf of bread. There'll be people literally working a day's work for just one loaf of bread. Then that, that's going to be in the West. There's going to be rioting. Imagine when you can't get food in Asda. We're going to, we're going to, people are going to riot. People are going to go ballistic. It's all right to be fed. It's, you know, people are going to start stealing cattle you know, and rustling sheep. And, and there's going to be complete anarchy. There's going to be chaos. So can I make a suggestion? People think I'm completely nutly bonkers. But... I don't care. Can you start putting things in your uh, larder for a rainy day? So, not only can you feed yourselves, but you can feed others. You know, just start, and we want to start doing it here. Start bringing food here, getting a food, not to get out, but to store. You know, we're going to have to have, we've tried doing it, but I don't know what happens. People say, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it, and suddenly it just gets left. But can we start bringing, not out-of-date tins, you know, because that's what we got. We've got a lot of people just bringing out-of-date stuff. You know, but, you know, tins that we can start stacking because when it gets really bad, we can be love and light to a group of people and give them a meal. Come to the church and then God will multiply that. We're going to see these things happen again where we're going to feed the 5,000 and 10,000 and the 7,000 and the whatever thousand when we have a right heart with us, not to for ourselves but for others. Does this make sense? Can I go on? Are you still with me? Right. But it says here, barley. Oh, that's an interesting one. Barley. A quart of barley. Do you know what barley was used for? Feeding the animals. It wasn't for human consumption. It was to feed the animals. So people will be taking what was due for animals and feeding it into our own bellies. That's how bad it is going to be. It's going to be incredibly bad. But, but, do not harm the oil and the wine. There is still going to be an abundance of luxury. Whereas the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. There's going to be such an inequality. There is going to be people that will drink wine and have all the oil, that is all the luxuries of this world, it's still going to be abundant. Who do you think that explains? Who do you think that's pointing to? The West. We've got everything. We have, you know, we've got the Losadian, you know, we don't need anything. We've got everything. Jesus says, no, I see you pitiful, poor, naked, blind, and wretched. Come by from me. So the famine is going to cause such a political upheaval. There is going to be political breakdown all across the world when we start seeing this coming out. And there will also be another type of famine because directly related to this is the physical. What about the spiritual? At this point, there is going to be a famine of the word. 
the word is going to be a famine. It says in Amos, verse 8, 11 to 12, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I shall send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but the hearing of the words of the Lord. There's a famine coming where the true word of the Lord will be taken out because people will not listen to it apart from his chosen ones. Where the true gospel gets out. Not the watered down sort of excuse of the gospel that we've got now, but the true gospel that will go out. They shall wander... But the hearing of the word of the Lord, they shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Apart from the ones they send, which is us. We will literally be the living word made flesh because of Christ in us. The word became flesh. That's what it says in John. So if Christ is in us, then we become the word. We become the word. It's incredible. So then we should see, say that, that when there is a physical type of famine, there's, you know, people are going to start eating each other. People don't realise how bad this is going to get. They're going to, when you're in famine, you will do any, anything that you can. And when I had a look at this, you know, I came across some very interesting stories that I won't repeat. But there's one famine that came in uh, Greenland, in Newfoundland, in Greenland, where the, the Vikings were there and they had a love for their dogs. Oh, beautiful. It made me cry, this. They have such a love for their dogs because their dogs were working and they love their dogs, just like I love my dog. You know? And a famine hit them. And, it, and it, the, their crops failed, the seas iced up, they couldn't get anything in, you know, they couldn't even fish. They, a huge famine hit the, hit the population. And do you know what? Years later, when the, when the people came to the island, they found the men, the women, the children lying on the floor side by side with their dogs. They refused to kill the dogs and eat them. They'd rather die than eat the dogs. But, you know, cats are going to disappear. Rabbits are going to disappear. Dogs are going to disappear when this starts hitting. It's already happening. You, you, you know, you will not find a, a moving thing in, in Mosul you know, or, or Aleppo. You know, the rats, <laughs> they're all eaten. People were eating grass. They were, they were mixing it with sawdust just to fill their bellies. You can't, I can't tell you how bad it is. It's already happening. Then we have the green horse. This is the fourth seal, which is basically sickness and death. It says here, and then I opened up the fourth seal. This is verse 7. And I heard a voice of the living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse. That word in the Greek is basically green. It's a, it's a, a vivid green color. And the name of him sat on it was death. And Hades followed with him. And the power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. Interesting. But everyone says this. When I read these words, I suddenly, wow, hang on a sec. How many horsemen are there? Four. There's actually five. There's five horsemen. Because it says in the scriptures, it says... And the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed him. So there's another rider. Do you understand that? There's five. So Hades is just death. And the second one, Hades, is hell. So it's going to kill loads and loads. It's a fourth of the, of the, of, of the world. And I broke this down into figures. Andrew will appreciate this. So there is seven billion people. So... A fourth will be killed. That's 1.8 million. 
a billion. 1.8 billion people are going to be killed in this. So that leaves out of 4 billion, uh, out of 7 billion, 5.8 billion. And then in chapters 9, verse 18, we see a third of men killed. That's another 1.9 billion people, leaving 3.9 billion people. Then in chapters 8, 11, 13, 16, and 18, more people die. And it's about 1.75 billion people. That leaves 2.5 billion. Out of 7 million, very, very quickly, we're going to be reduced down to just 2.15 million people. Billion. That's incredible. And it's going to happen very, very, very quickly. It's in, see, you can see why nobody teaches this. People don't want to hear, oh, there's, you know, there's, there's only going to be 2.15 billion people left. But it doesn't finish there. It doesn't finish there. When, when you read in that verse about the, the beasts, what do you think about I thought about this. And by, it says, when you read, and by the beasts of the earth, question mark, what do you think about? Wild animals. Things on four legs. Lions, dogs, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, wild ones, hyenas. It's not. It's not. It's not wild animals. What, what animal on the earth kills more things than anybody else? No. No. Thank you. Mosquitoes. This is what it's talking about. It's mosquitoes. It's not the mosquito that's dangerous. It's what the mosquito carries that's dangerous, that brings a malaria. There are going to be new things coming from beasts. There are going to be pestilence and flies and bugs and mosquitoes in huge, that is going to bring huge devastation. Do you understand it? It isn't going to be lions. You know, hardly, when you look at the millions that get killed in Africa through malaria, very few get killed by a lion. It's going to be the beasts of the air. It's going to be mosquitoes. It's going to be bugs. It's going to be fleas carrying the bubonic plague. You know, it's going to be these things that are going to start destroying and are going to just kill and kill and destroy. It's an interesting passage I found in Ezekiel 14. It says, For thus says the Lord God, How much more shall it be when I send my four severe judgments on Jerusalem, the sword, the famine, the wild beasts, and pestilence, to cut off man and the beasts from it. So it's really talking about pestilence and sickness and disease and death. Because when you are short of food, your immune system gets knocked down. That makes you very sick and vulnerable to, very, to all illnesses and sicknesses. Interesting, isn't it? So... This is all setting up for a man who's going to have the anti, you know, the, 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 all the answers to these problems. This is what it's setting up for. For a man to come on the scene when all of this is happening to put these problems right. Makes sense, doesn't it? Does it? Does it make sense to you? So I don't believe any of these seals have been broken. I really don't. Because we haven't seen 1.9 billion people taken out. You know, even the First World War and the Second World War killed millions, 26 million and 36 million. You know, but it didn't kill a billion or 100 million or 200 million. This is, oh, it's, you know, 
He will come and solve all the problems. He will, oh, it's incredible. And the fifth seal, we have the cry of the martyrs. He opened up the fifth seal, and I saw in the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the testimony that they had held. And they cried with one loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on, on the earth? Sorry. Then a white robe was given to each, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while until both, until both, the number of their fellow servants and brethren who would be killed as they were was made complete. So here we have John where an altar is lifted, lifted up and he sees all of the souls that have died for Christ who are shouting out, when is our blood going to be avenged? And God says, no, wait a little bit longer, not yet, because that same number is going to be coming from this. They're going to be the same number of martyrs taken from this age into that age. Christians. The Bible is very clear on that. Revelation is incredible. It's, and there's a huge debate um, on who this group of people are. These are souls of those who have died. Because they, they, you, you, we know that you can kill the body, but you can't kill the spirit. You can't kill the soul. You know, these are the souls of the, of, of the ones... All the great witnesses, the cloud of witnesses, the martyrs that have gone before us. These are all them that have died. You know, because I looked at the word witness, because we see witness in the New Testament quite a lot. And the Greek word for witness is martyr. Whenever you saw witness, it's martyrs. Great witnesses. You know, and uh, I believe that this is a group of people from the church ages. Right from the, de- from the death of Jesus, right the way up to the present day of people that have been martyred for him. So it got me thinking. So I went on a couple of websites and uh, they say conservatively, now listen to me, they say conservatively from the day that Jesus died up until this day, conservatively, 70 million people have been martyred. 70 million. They say that most of them came from the thousand year of darkness, the dark ages of thousand years. They say that something like 30 to 40 million died in that because of the, the word of the testimony, which is Jesus, and what they believed in. They wouldn't follow a different type of Christianity that was barbaric, you know, and it was the whole thing. But 30 to, they say 30 to 50 million died in the Dark Ages. Um, and it's, it's, this, it's this group that are crying out for their blood to be avenged. And God says, not yet until your same number has come up. So if we say conservatively, there are going to be 70 million people that are going to be martyred for Jesus in the Great Tribulation. Wow, that sobers us up, doesn't it? 70 million. You know, and 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 as we go through it, um, I found this statistic. Uh, this was taken in 2015. As of 2010, Christianity was far the world's largest religion with an estimated 2.2 billion people, which is nearly one-third of the population of over 7 billion people on earth. The Pew the report, Pew report, Pew report, Pew, Pew, P-E-W report says, Islam was a second with 1.6 billion of 20, 23% of the global population. And this was taken on the 2nd of April 2015. So nearly a third of the population, 2.2 billion people are born-again Christians. And a lot of that percentage are going to lose their lives. If we're for 
Warmed, we're forearmed. Aren't we? But it's sobering. It's sobering. You know, and uh, God is saying, not yet, not yet, not yet. So here we have the avenging of the how long. Then we see, for they shed their blood of the saints and the prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink. And I saw a woman drunk on the blood of the saints with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And then there's an avenging of this blood. It says here that God hath avenged you on her. In her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and all that was slain upon the earth and now has avenged the blood of his servants at her hand, which is all talking about the woman. But we'll get into that a little bit more. So, so now we come to this part, which I... And when I looked up, he broke the sixth seal. Folks, we're seeing this happening. Broke the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth and made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. Verse 13, And the stars in the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree, speaks about Israel, is cast its unripened figs when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island will be moved out of its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong of every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us for the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand? Wow. It's great. There is going to be there is so much debate about this. But here's my take on it. You can take it or leave it. But I totally believe with all of my heart that this is literal. This isn't figurative. This is literal. There are going to be things literally happening. There is going to be a set, and this is the first of three, huge earthquakes that are going to happen. It says here, there was a great earthquake. There is three earthquakes. This is the first of three in the book of Revelation. The first is in chapter 6, verse 12. The second is in chapter 11, verse 13. And the third is in chapter 16, verse 18 and 19. There's three huge earthquakes going to hit the land. And this is the first. So there is going to be, amongst all of this devastation, huge earthquakes that are going to be. And... Some people think this is all the same earthquake. It isn't. They're different. They're totally different. They're even happening in geographical different areas. There is one that's going to split the Mount of Olives. It isn't this one. There are going to be cosmic upheavals. Unbelievable cosmic upheavals. These are, you know, the sun became black as sackcloth and the moon became like blood. And there's the references. Joel 2, 10, Isaiah 13, Isaiah... 1312, Isaiah 24. There's lots of references to this. And the stars fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree. So that's Matthew 24. Again, diff, you know, complete Matthew 24, Luke 21, um, Mark. You can literally put the Bible by the book of Revelation and it's saying the same thing. And every mountain and island were removed out of their place. What's that talking about? Tsunamis. Tsunamis. Of, you know, when you get an earthquake, we know there's tsunamis coming. 
Incredible. This is all coming. These are all cosmic. Then we see the stretchings of the heavens. Listen, the Bible is full of this. I was amazed when I just put it on the computer, stretching the heavens. And I came up with, this is just a few. Who alone stretched out the heavens? Job 9, verse 8. Who stretched out the heavens like a tent? Curtain. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in? Who stretches out the heavens? The Lord stretches out the heavens. This just goes on and on and on. Because what are they doing now? They're finding new heavens. They're finding that, that, that when God said, let that be, it wasn't just for our planet, it was for planets out there. There are new heavens and new you know, cosmic things all being discovered up in the space as we speak. But this is going to be incredible. And, and, and we know now that it's not talking about heaven. It's talking about heavens. It's plural. There's more than our heaven above us. Yeah, we've got a great job to do after the thousand-year reign. We've got universes to go to. This is why God's preparing us now. Yeah, it's all little tests, but it's plural. I don't believe this is metaphorical. I believe this is literal. And this is what I found. I'm, I'm almost there. But you know, I never tell the truth. <laughs> I found this passage really intriguing. Really intriguing. For the kings of the earth and the great men, the commanders, the rich, they all hide. They all hide and... and all. It's, it's just basically... But who are they hiding from? Jesus. They're hiding from the Lamb. They're all hiding from the Lamb. They're hiding themselves in caves and... Why? Why are they hiding themselves? From the wrath that has been poured out of the seven bowls. That's what they're hiding from. They're hiding from the wrath of God being poured out. And I... And I, and I I've never heard some of this preached. You know, I've never, ever heard this preached. But we now go from chapter nine, from chapter six to that chapter nineteen, where the wrath has been poured out. All the judgments and the trumpets and the seals are broken. All this is going to come very, 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 very quickly. The wrath, I believe, will be poured out on the Antichrist system and the people that follow the Antichrist, just like he did to Pharaoh in Genesis. But Pharaoh went through that, that phase when they had all the plagues and the, for about nine months. It happened very quickly. This is going to be poured out. The wrath of God is going to be called, poured out on a system that people who follow the Antichrist, from the richest to the poorest, and the wrath of God, and I believe this is what brings the armies in, is because there are going to be some federations out there saying, well, if, if you are the Messiah, why is all this happening to us? Why are we having all these diseases? And Why is all the grass being burnt up and the food and the water being contaminated? You made all that right. Why is all this happening? You aren't who you say you're meant to be. And I believe there's going to be a massive army because it says that God will pull them in by putting a hook in their jaws and pull them in to the valley of... Yeah. Yeah, Jeho- the, 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 you know, we went there, didn't we? The, 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 the amazing valley, I can't remember, Jeho- Jehoshaphat. 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 Yeah, so, yeah, and I believe this is what pills in the army. I think this is the armies that march in because, listen, Israel, they've got no, the armies have got no reason to be in there. They're coming in from, it says they come from the east. If you take Jerusalem and you head east, it's, it's Russia. That they're coming from the east. So this army is going to be pulled in against the Antichrist. And then God deals with them. And I believe this is one of the battles that we see later on. But 
This is what I found interesting. I've never, I've never seen this before. The book of Revelation, you can put the book of Joshua right beside it. Joshua, the book of Joshua, right beside the book of Revelation. I've just pu- I pulled out a few facts from it. And, and, he, and, and this is what, you know, Joshua, he's, he's what? He, he is a, a military commander. Jesus thunders before his mighty army. He's a military commander doing what? Disposing of the usurpers that have taken the land. So in, in the book of Revelations, it's about, it's about an army that is going to come forth to take the Antichrist and his system out of the land, which is Jesus, which is us with him, riding with him. Here's another one. Joshua is another name for what? Jesus. Everyone knows that. Yay! How long did this campaign go on for? Seven years. The, the, the army of Joshua crossing over. But what does it say in Joshua 3, verse 5? This is where I get, I get, I get the goosebumps. It says, consecrate yourselves. In other words, set yourselves off, Joshua, because I'm, I'm setting you apart. Consecrate yourselves, because I'm about to do something great among you. So we have a chance now to be setting our hearts aside for Jesus, to be completely dying to our flesh, completely living for him, completely with Jesus in us, becoming love. We're setting ourselves apart for that, to go there and take the battle to the Antichrist. Because the people crossed, they didn't lose a battle. Well, they did one. When it wasn't, they lost one battle. But it took seven years. How many kings did they go up against? Ten. They went up against ten kings. And very quickly, three of them were disposed of. Same in the book of Revelation. Same thing happens. There are ten federations, ten horns, and then three are disposed of very quickly. Do you understand this? Right. How many witnesses did he send into Jericho? Two. How many witnesses are sent into Jerusalem? Two. Are you seeing that... If you read the book of Joshua... Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Read on it and meditate on day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Joshua 1 verse 6. Because God is totally saying, this is my war plan. This is my war where we're going to take back what was stolen and we're going to restore everything back to the chosen people who have set their hearts aside, that have consecrated themselves, full Jesus, full of love, going out, doing great exploits for me because I'm going to be with them. Why? Because I'm going to be in them. This is it. It's incredible. When all of this is happening, God has us. His people, full of Him, full of Jesus, full of love, full of joy, full of compassion, full of peace. Because we're hidden in Him. We have none of us to fear. We cannot fear this. Or God is not in us. And what did happen with Joshua? He hid the king's head in the cave. Joshua came along and said, I'm going to seal up the cave. He sealed the kings in it. He said, I've got to, I'm just going to go over here and I'll come back and deal with you. That's what happens. All these kings and people are all hidden in caves. Exactly the same thing in the book of Joshua. Read it. Read it. When you're feeling a little bit of fear, read Joshua. He was a warrior king, just like Jesus. Because Jesus, we're going to stop seeing him being called the lamb. He comes back as a lion. And listen, in the book of Joshua... There was a silence in one of the battles. How long for? Half an hour. There was going to be a silence 
There's a silence in the book of Revelation. Half an hour. And out of all these ten kings, there was one. And guess where that king was? Controlling all these other ten. In Joshua. Where was that king? You can find it. He was in Jerusalem. Do you understand? The Antichrist will make his headquarters in Jerusalem. And Joshua came along. Yeshua, Jesus, kicks him out. Yeah. With his army. Who's his army? You and me. You know, we won't be coming here with love in our hearts. We'll be coming here to kill them. We'll be coming here to destroy them. Jesus is going to thunder before his mighty army. It says that the very blood on the hem of his cloak is going to be drenched. In other words, the blood that's going to go is going to go waist belly deep on the horses. The day of great slaughter. It's incredible. Incredible. But we see all in chapter 6, the same events. The same events happen in Matthew 24, Luke 21, wars, the false crisis, verses 5, verses 4, in the book of Revelation. You can, I, I mean, I've got, I've got all the scriptures here. You see wars, you see famines, you see death, you see martyrs, global disasters. And every one of them is listed in Matthew and Luke. Every one of them. Matthew 24, Luke 21, every one of those things is listed as in the book of Revelation. And guess who's saying them? Jesus. Jesus is saying them. So I think those are pretty words that we can hang our hat on. Yeah? But Jesus also said, I'll have a body of people that are hidden away, that I've hidden. You know, Isaiah, when he went up against the Baal, and the prophets and all the, you know, he said, what, what, what do you tell Isaiah? Not Isaiah, sorry. Ah. Ah, I killed all the prophets of Baal. Oh, Elijah. Elijah, thank you. What, what, did, what did God say to Elijah? When, when Elijah goes, oh, it's only me, oh, I'm the only person. It hidden. So God has hidden us for such a time as this. I have, I've had an, I had an encounter, one of my first um, with the Lord. Um, one that I, I could live it, I'm living it, I'm seeing it, where, where God showed me three things and two of them have already happened. So if two have already happened, this is peak prophecy. If, if two of these things have happened, what God has shown me, and I, haven't, I don't make this public, but, but these two things happened. But God said to me, he said to me, and Andy, when it is the last days, your ministry will go forth because you'll be full of me, because he was standing right by me. Your ministry will go for I didn't know, understand what he was meaning, apart from, I thought about going, because in those days it was about ministry. You know, I thought, oh, I'll, be going, I'll, get, I'll get invited. I thought this was going to happen years ago. <laughs> I really did. I honestly thought this was all going to happen, you know, very, very quickly that I would be the next big, you know, Todd Bentley. This is all back in 2004. But God really killed that off of me. Thank God. <laughs> he killed, he killed that off, you know. And, uh, but I never realized, you know, in that experience when he was standing right by and showing me that when your time, you're going to be the last one to give a word on the platform. Your word will go last. You know, there won't be anyone after you. And he said, when you become love. And I never really understand it until to this day. And that's, I've, I had that, I had that experience back in 2005. So that's 12 years ago. It's about to start. 
Because we're on this thing about becoming love. The Dan Moller thing. That's the most important thing. But folks, this is going to come. And this is what it says. I've picked this quote up. This is where we have to die to self. C.S. Lewis said these words. You will never know how much you really believe in anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. So when the truth of who we are, don't wait till it becomes a matter of life and death. Become it now. Become the truth now of Jesus in us. And it says that, listen, the Lord spoke to me yesterday as clear as a bell. He said, he said these words, and I had to write it down because I thought if I don't write it down, then I'm going to miss it. You are either hid in him or for him. Or for him. You're either hid in him, or sorry, I knew I had to write it down. You're either hid in him or from him. So he has hidden us now because we're for him. But we won't be hiding from him. And he used Adam. Clear as a bell, I saw a vision. Adam. Yeah, we're Adam hid from God. Whereas God has hidden us for himself for these times. I believe this. I believe that we won't die. And I can't wait to come to... I want to go to that scripture every time I pick it up. In Revelation, where it says that there will be a body of people that won't taste death. I can go to other scriptures in the New Testament where it says that this body of people will walk right the way through it all. And I believe that we won't taste death when we become love. When we become... Because somebody's got to tell them. Revelation 14, sorry, Revelation 12, the man-child that is birthed out of the woman. Remember I gave that talk about the cosmic signs of Virgo and you know the virgin and Leo, the lion and the 12 stars above her and what's ushering in and the birthing of Jupiter coming into the stomach and it departs through her feet, which is perfect birthing. When does that happen? 23rd of September. What happened with, uh, in the 23rd of December was when they all met on a Sunday United Nations to give the land back and to recognize the Palestinians as a second state within Israel. But it was stopped. Because Britain turned around and said, we're not, we're not part of this. Thank God. Thank God we're not part of this. They couldn't pass it. But let me tell you, that was from, from December the 23rd to September the 23rd is nine months. And that's when we see the constellation of Jupiter coming out. I believe we've been hidden for such a time as this. So when it gets dark and when people are running around to and fro and the word is no more, we give them the word because we are the word, because we become love and we'll be driven out of love and we will, we will turn many hard hearts to Jesus in this time. And listen, I'm hearing, I'm reading so much stuff about a move of God in Islam. I am, I am, I can, I'm going to play a video uh, that's 12, 14 minutes long, not now, but another time where it talks about a guy who was an ISIS fighter in um, Egypt. He was in the uh, Sinai Desert. Radical. Radical for Islam. He had killed, he had destroyed churches, he had killed Christians, and he was fiery. And his Iman comes. Can I finish with this? The Iman comes to him, and he says, 
I want you to do something because there is, and he showed them a report in a, in a Cairo newspaper saying that Christians are evangelizing the Muslims and they're doing it by sex and with giving money. And it incensed these uh, uh, ISIS guys and they were saying, we're going to go in, we're going to chop their heads off. And they said, no, no, we need to defeat them in a different way. We need to disprove to them the Bible. We want, we want to put a paper together. And there so happened to be one of the guys that was a scholar in Arabic and, and had studied the Quran, but it also, you know, he had a great mind, and, but yet he was a great fighter. He didn't want to do it. They said, read the Bible, and I want you to write, and we will pay you £500 a month. You know, just write a paper disproving the Bible. And he couldn't touch it. He said, I'm not touching that. He didn't touch the Bible for a month. He says, because why? The Muslims are fighting about touching the Bible. Do you know why? Because they say it will bewitch you. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit will come running after you. It will get you. I'm coming for you. Why am I telling you this? Because I believe this is going to happen in this country. We're going to see a turn of the Islam to coming for Christ. Real stringent, hard, harder people that will turn their hearts back to Jesus and they'll become radical for Jesus. So he, he, he then eventually picked up the Bible and he read it right the way through and he couldn't find one discrepancy. Not one. And he said to the Imam, he says, I can't find one thing. And the Imam gave him three books and he says, read these books. These guys, I didn't give you anything to read. I didn't give you these before because I want to know if you could find anything. Read these. And he read them. And then he came up with the idea, I wonder if there's anything in the Quran that's got any discrepancies. And, the, and he wrote a thesis of over 250 pages that says, is the Quran real? And he came to the conclusion that the Quran was not real. There were so many discrepancies in it. And he went to bed that night and he said to, he said to God, God, you know, I don't know who to pray to. I don't know who, what to do. I, don't know, I haven't got a, got a clue. And he gets up the next morning. He hadn't slept. Gets up early. Puts in his briefcase this, uh, his, a Bible that uh, the guy had given him, his passport and stuff like that. And he goes to make a, a phone call to a Christian. And he says to the Christian, as soon as he said his name, the phone was put down. In that time, he was making it in a bar. Somebody came and picked up his briefcase and ran off with it. So he went to bed that night saying, what am I going to do? And in, the, in, a, in a dream, he's finding himself woken up in a room. There's Jesus standing before him. And he says, I am he that you'll find in the book. And he says, but I've lost my book. He says, you will find the book that I'm in, in your closet when you wake up from this. Open it out and follow me. So he wakes up. He doesn't realize what he's going to find in his closet, but he finds his Bible in there. It's the Bible in there. And he turns instantly from a Saul into a Paul. He had beaten his mother up. He had beaten his sisters up for not being radical enough. He goes and he cries at his mother's feet, starts kissing her feet, saying, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. He goes out and he sees the world in a different place and he's full of love. And he says, it's all about love. It's all about love. It's all about love. I've got to become love. And he's so full of this. He runs to some Christians that he had persecuted. And, he, and the guy saw him come and he tries to shut the, 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 the railings on him. And he says, no, no, you've got to let me in. I'm so sorry. And he starts asking this guy to forgive him. And this guy goes, hallelujah. <laughs> and then he becomes radical for Jesus. Like that. And he's got death threats on him. He's still in Egypt. He is pouring out the gospel. You know, there are, he's just pouring himself into it. He's lost all his friends. He's got, you know, fatwas put out on him, all the rest. And this is one of many that I've heard. I could tell you one's in Iran. There are many, there, are more, there, is, there is revival happening in Iran. 
as we speak. They say that over 40% of the population have turned to Jesus. Jesus is appearing to imams and having dreams and visions and encounters with Jesus all over the Islamic world. It's coming, folks. It's coming. It's coming. I'm sorry that took a long time, but it took me a long time to prepare it. You know, that's, that's a difficult one to do, and it's going to get more difficult in some points, but we're full of hope because we're hidden for him, not from him. He's hidden us for such a time as this. So consecrate yourselves. Daniel, uh, Joshua 3. Verse 5, consecrate, set yourselves apart for him because he's about to do something amazing among us. He's going to do it in us. Come and do it, Lord. Lord, I pray now, do it in us. Do it in us now, Lord. Do whatever, whatever it is. Rip out whatever flesh has got to die. Just rip it out, Lord. We just pray now, Lord, just rip it out because we today say yes to you. We say yes to you. Yes to you, Jesus. And we want just more of you. We want everything of you in our hearts. We want everything of you in our lives. And don't let your past take away from what your future holds. And so, Father, I thank you that you've hidden us for such a time as this. That the wine that you saved is such sweetness to your mouth. And Lord, taste us and see that we're good. Because Lord, I pray now, let us become love. Let us become love. Put faith in us, Lord, instead of fear. And Lord, I pray this over you. This is what the Lord told me to say to you. I'm going to pray over joy over you. I want to pray joy over you. Joy. And the Lord said to me, joy means J, Jesus first. O, others second. Y, yourself third. And I pray that over us, Lord. I now understand what joy is. The joy of putting you first, others second, and putting ourselves last. So Father, I pray joy over us the joy of the Lord over us, where you are everything to us. Our joy is in you and our joy is in loving others as you love us. So, Father, I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, just let this saturate in us. Let it absolutely permeate right the way to the very depths of our spirit and of our souls. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to hand over to Andrew because, folks, I want you to read chapter 7. It's interesting. I want you to find out why are the tribes missing? Twelve tribes of Israel, there are some of them missing. Why? Why are there others that are mentioned? Um, and what's their role, this 144,000? Redeemed from the twelve tribes of Israel. Just do a little study on it yourself, see what you come up with. And uh, God bless and bring that word in two weeks' time. <laughs>